977, Matthew 12, verse 14. But the Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell who he was. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant, whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Till he leads justice to victory. In his name the nations will put, a, put their hope. Uh, if you're a note taker, I'll try and be clear uh, where I'm breaking up, if you like a logical process. The first two verses, 14 to 16, uh, cover this idea that Jesus faces murderous opposition, but he keeps a low profile. So it's murderous opposition, 14 to 16, but a low profile. Just check it again. The Pharisees went out and plotted how they might kill Jesus. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. Many followed him, and he healed all their sick, warning them not to tell anyone who he was. If you're quite new to thinking about Christian things, you might have a different angle when you read that story from somebody who's been reading the Bible for years. So let's take a newer angle on it. Jesus does something brilliant. A bloke is really sick and Jesus fixes him. Now you would imagine that's good news, right? Somebody's really ill and he gets mended. So what on earth is wrong with these blokes who want to kill him? Why on earth would you want to kill somebody for doing something so good? But... Now, here's the twist in the mystery if, you're not used to, if you were used to this story and you don't think fresh on it. Here's something just as baffling. Why doesn't Jesus take them on? Isn't it? What? You're going to settle for this then? Right, we're going to kill him. What does he do? You know what he should do, don't you? Right then, come on then, what you got? What's your be- hey, hang on, what's your best shot? There's loads of people following me, and I can heal people, and I can do more miracles. Come on then, what's in your locker? Well, he's not impressive, Jesus, is he? I mean, he's impressive today. You know, what's he got in his locker? There's enough people going bothered. Isn't it? Where you work, where you live, and Jesus, and? Come on, do a bit more. He withdraws. Many follow him, 15. He heals their sick, but he warns them not to tell anyone. I mean, it's prudent. You know, he's run away. So they won't stick a knife in him on a Sunday or a Saturday. On a Saturday in Galilee. People come with him. But the story so far in Matthew says that this is God's anointed king. This is the one who God has sent To change the world and everybody in it. So why on earth is he being so cautious, so prudent? Prove yourself, man. Show me what you've got to offer me. All you run scared. Because we say we're going to have you. 
I know that I'm, I, I can hear my voice. It sounds really aggressive. <laughs> but they were aggressive to him. But he won't match aggression. With a closed fist. No, he won't. What follows is a part of what Paul read to us from Isaiah chapter 42. Uh, Matthew is very keen on quoting the Old Testament. Very keen. He quotes lots of the Old Testament. The verses we read here is the longest quote he takes from the Old Testament actually. From Isaiah 42. And Isaiah 42 and those first verses are one of four passages in Isaiah 49, 50 and 52 to 53. Three other passages where Isaiah, 700 years-ish before, talks about God's king was to come. So here's Matthew's way. Matthew takes Jesus' words and says, okay, let me explain to you why he doesn't take them on. Let me explain to you from God's revelation hundreds of years ago what the Messiah is going to be like and why he doesn't need to have a scrap. And the rest of our time is based around these verses. Fulfilled, says Jesus, in himself. So, we've looked firstly then at Jesus facing murderous opposition but keeping a low profile in 14 to 16. I think these are the three things we can learn from this passage. Here's the first thing we can learn from Isaiah as quoted by Jesus. Verse 18, Jesus' approval comes from God. He doesn't have to have a scrap on this day because, verse 18, his approval comes from God. Read with me verse 18. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. This is God speaking in Isaiah, quoted by Jesus about himself. So, who are the Pharisees threatening? Who are they trying to kill? Well, this is who they're trying to kill. God's servant, who has been chosen by God, who is loved by God, who God delights in, and he's put his spirit on, and this is the man who will proclaim justice to the nations. Do you think he's bothered by a few people going, prove yourself, mate. We'll kill you. We'll have you. Do you think that if he really is so certain that the creator of the universe is his father, loves him, delights in him, is totally for him, do you think he cares about a few maniacs who say we'll have you? I don't think so. I don't think he needs anyone's approval, which is why he's so cool. You know, it's not X Factor or Strictly. Take your choice. You know, it's not your vote that makes Jesus cool. It's not your vote that makes him king of the universe. He is king of the universe. So because I was having to prepare this this week and, and loving it, because I'd never given a talk on this passage or tried to look at it closely, I suppose. And I woke up this morning and I thought, it's true. Now, I'm not, I'm not assuming you're a follower of Jesus. 
I know many people will be when we meet together, but certainly not everybody. Definitely not everybody. So I'm not expecting you to take this from me. I'm, I'm telling you what Jesus says. But subjectively, I woke up this morning, I've prepared this and thought, oh my word, it's true. It's true. It doesn't depend on my vote. God loves this man. This is the servant of Almighty God. God delights in him. He will bring justice through this man. Does it really matter to Jesus if I go, tough luck, mate. I'm not in your team. Bothered? He's the king of the world. It's true. I woke up to it this morning. It's a fact whether we believe it or not. It's, I know it's, you just want to keep saying it. Sorry, it's a bit repetitive, isn't it? It's true. It's not somebody's personal idea. It's not like I like marmalade, you like jam, I'm a Christian, I'm an atheist, take your choice, doesn't really matter. No, no, it's true. So don't mess with him. We'll have you. <laughs> you won't have me. I belong to the Father in heaven. Don't be soft. Soft is a Welsh phrase meaning don't be simple. <laughs> Just came on. I was thinking, what's a good analogy? And I can only think sports analogies. I live in a village called Combatton outside uh, Cambridge. It's about 500 people, I think, live there. It would be like Lionel Messi, the, the greatest footballer in the world, possibly. Possibly. Uh, showing up at Combatton Football Club, because uh, he's small Messi, he's about five foot six, showing up in scruffy clothes and has washed his hair or something. And he shows up and is training and he says, any chance of a game Saturday? And, and Ted Hoover, the manager of Combatton, says, not a chance, son. You're too skinny and scrawny. Do you think Messi'd be hurt? Do you don't think Messi'd go home and cry in his pillow? I don't think so. I think Messi'd go home and go, well, c'est I am the world's best player. <laughs> Can't get in confidence, team. Not at all. Jesus doesn't run because he's a coward. No, he, he walks away because he's confident, because he can't be murdered on a Saturday in Galilee. He's got to die on a cross on a Friday in Jerusalem. And he knows. He's totally confident. Jesus' approval comes from God. And that's why, if you're not a Christian this morning, I think it's worth saying this. If you speak at a university lunch bar and so on, there's always question and answers. And often within the first few questions, somebody will say, why does God... And when I was younger, I wouldn't have the guts to do this, really. And sometimes I don't know, but sometimes I do have the guts to say, can I just hold your question there? Just stop for one second before you go any further. Just... And of course, it shocks somebody. What? Why does God... What? Whoa. Be careful what comes out of your lips next. Because God is the creator of all things. And Jesus Christ is God who became a man. And be really careful about trying to slaughter God now. Because you're going to meet him. Well, I don't believe in him. I, I know, I'm just saying. I, I'm just saying, you will. Now, what do you want to ask? And of course, some will go on and say, why does God allow suffering? And... But here's the reality. Be careful about why does God... Be careful about who you're talking to. And if you are a Christian this morning, don't be faced by attacks on Jesus. Do not be faced by people taking the mickey or ignoring him, just blanking him out. Don't be faced by that. Here's the fact. He's got total time on the ball when they go for him because he knows he is the king of the universe. 
And he's a God's anointed one. And God loves him entirely and completely. That's what's going on in this passage. That's why he quotes Isaiah. My approval comes from Almighty Father in heaven. So I'm calm if you want to get your knife out. Verses 19 to 20 take us to a second thing that comes out of the prophecy as quoted here by Jesus. So firstly, his approval comes from God. 19 to 20, Jesus will not separate people from projects. 19 to 20, Jesus refuses. He won't separate people from projects. Let me try and explain. I tried to alliterate, so I better explain it. This is what it says next. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out till he has brought justice through to victory. There's lots of knots there. Do you see it, 19? He will not quarrel, not cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. There's a lot of things he won't do. He says, no, no I'm not running away because I'm scared. I'm running away because I know who I am. It's fine. It's really fine. I'm in control of this. No, no, I've got a big plan. I'm here to bring justice. I'm here to bring justice that lasts forever. So it's all cool, right? He says, by the way, uh, this is how I'm going to bring justice. Here's what I'm not going to do. I don't want to scrap. Do you see the logic now? I, I, I don't want to fight. I don't want to quarrel. I'm be shouting out in anger. My philosophy, my philosophy. This is what I believe. Come on, what's your best argument? That's not how he works. It's not how he works. This is how Jesus works. He knows he'll bring justice. He knows there's a task. But it's not mutually exclusive to be task-orientated and people-centered. So often, we have to be one or the other. Jesus knows exactly where it's going to end up. And he's going to get there. But watch how he's going to get there. Verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break. Oh, I love it. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. When Paul prayed for us in the room today. For, the, for those we could pray for that, where we know things aren't good. Something as obvious as a broken leg. To the stuff that goes on inside in a room of this many people. So many of us. Jesus is beautiful. He's beautiful. He cares for the reed that wants to stand tall and proud. But he's snapped. And he can see that we're snapped. Maybe nobody else can see that we're snapped. But he can see it. Verse 20. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. How's your candle burning bright? I'm fine. How are you? Are you a light? I'm a light. No, I'm not. Actually, it's nearly run out. But I can't tell anyone. The Lord Jesus says, I want to help you burn bright. 
I'm not here to fight arguments and have a scrap with the Pharisees and prove I'm a hard man and prove my ideology is the strongest. I won't break a reed because I have a philosophical goal. I won't blow out any candles to achieve my end. I'm committed to broken reeds and dying candles. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? The whole world is full of people like me going, we're going to get there. I'm going to achieve that. If you've got to break a couple of reeds on the way, that's how it goes, isn't it? Jesus says, I will not. I will not do it. He wants to fix the reed with splints and he wants to put more wax on the candle that it might burn bright. Isaiah is referring in, verse, in chapter 42 to the spiritually weak, you know. Don't mistake the weak for people who aren't like me. We're, we must never be the hero of the passage. You understand that? You read a passage of scripture that your brain goes, me and them, oh, poor them, the weak. Pity for the weak. Pity for the broken reeds. Not me, mind. No, no. Read scripture like this. Here is Jesus, king of the universe, master of all, will bring justice, loved by God, coming to die. And he looks at you and he says, no, I'm going to do all that. But here's the first thing. I'm watching you. No, 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 no not your neighbor. No, not the person up on the balcony. I'm watching you. I'm saying, broken reed. This week, messed it up, blown it, got it wrong. You, light not as bright as you wish it was. It's okay. I've come for you. That's why you meet together. If you're not a Christian, get this clear. One of the great things about the church, which is the gathering of people who want to meet around God's word with other people, is that we come together to be encouraged. Not to talk about somebody else or to point at somebody else, but that God might encourage us today and say, I want to make your dim candle burn brighter. And I'm here for it. It's a magnificent encouragement. To know more of Christ. It's me he's talking to. Not them. It's me he's talking to now. Not you. People have great ideas to make the world better. But they will have to snap reeds and snuff candles. The Lord Jesus puts people ahead of ideas. All the time. All the time. He will not sacrifice any other people for the greater good of his ideology. Well, he will sacrifice one person for the greater good, won't he? Himself. But never another. Never another. The Lord Jesus calls those who know him to be gentle. Gentle people. Physically and verbally. Or people get hurt. I asked myself when I was trying to work this out, do I ride roughshod over people? Get a grip, I think. Get a grip on yourself. Wise up. Toughen up. What's the matter with you? I'm task-orientated by nature. 
the Lord Jesus takes brokenness seriously. He takes my brokenness seriously. Ladies and gentlemen, will we take and breed a spirit of gentleness this week? With Jesus who won't separate people from projects. Won't make people projects. Well, let's see if there's one more thing. I think there is at least one more. You'll see others that comes out from the way Jesus uses Isaiah 42 here. We've seen that Jesus faced murderous opposition in 14 to 16, but he kept a low profile. Then in quoting Isaiah, we've seen in verse 18 that Jesus' approval comes from God. He doesn't need to prove anything. We've seen... Secondly, in 19 to 20, that he, Jesus won't separate people from projects. Won't do it. Uh, and finally, verses 20 to 21. <laughs> he will win. Uh, he will win. He's cool as a cucumber when they say they're going to kill him. Because he will win. You don't have to shout about it. He doesn't have to get the hump about it. He doesn't have to get cross that they won't have him. He's going to win. And on the way to winning, he's going to fix broken reeds and give light to dying candles. Here we go, 20 to 21. A bruised reed, he will not break. A small ringwick, he will not snuff out. Till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name, the nations will put their hope. Most definitive. The end will come. So we've seen that Jesus withdraws from conflict, not because of cowardice, but because of confidence. Because his approval comes from God. He's got to die on a Friday outside Jerusalem, not with a knife in the back, on a Saturday in Galilee. Secondly, he knows he must die because he has to provide everlasting justice and hope. But he can't do it by separating people from projects. And the clue to how he will do it is in the four servant songs of Isaiah 49 through 53. 52 to 53, the fourth servant song is explicit. This Jesus will die He'll never sacrifice another. He won't extinguish your light. He won't get rid of you to achieve his goal. But he'll give his own life. And it's prophesied in Isaiah 52 to 53. He will win by being a smashed reed for us. He will win by having his candle trampled on. And thrown into the cross and into a grave. He died. God's son dies. God's anointed one who will bring justice dies. And it doesn't get more stark than this. And words can never convey it from human lips. He died instead of you. It, and he really did die instead of you. Uh, it, it's so profound that you cannot communicate it, can you? I should be crushed I'm the one who says 
I've got a knife out for you because don't you get in the way of my life. Because I've got things I want to do. Listen, God, there's things I want to do and I don't want anyone to know about them. But it gives me fun and enjoyment and I like it. And I don't want anyone to get in my way, least of all you. And I don't care if I go to church, I'm doing it. He says, I'll die for it then. I'm going to die for it. I've died for that. I've taken your punishment for what you've done to me this week. And I'll do it next week. And I'll do it the week after. And I'll do it the week after. And the week after. I'll keep t- I've done it to take your price. So when the Pharisees say we'll have him. He says I've got a lot worse coming than your little knife in my back. I'm going to volunteer my death for everyone in this building today. And everyone in this city today. And everyone who knows their candle burns dim in life. I'll pay the penalty. I'll live inside them. I'll come into this world by my spirit having left the earth in my body. And I will live inside that woman and that man. And I will never leave them if they trust me as their dying, murdered saviour on their behalf. To pay for justice. And so I woke up this morning. Do you get it now? Well I could wake up because I've been in this. Thinking, oh God, you're real. You're really there. And you're there today. And I've really screwed it up again. But you're still here. And it's true. And I can go into that building this morning. And I can walk out of it and go, come on. Into the week with Jesus. Who will never leave me if I trust him. And as we meet together today. We come before one who will win. He didn't stay in the grave. You can't keep a good man down. He was up and out and alive. And he's real. And he's coming back. And he will. Bring the nations to put their hope in him. Verse 21. So when we say, God, can't you be more impressive? (laughs) I mean, Jesus, come on. Show us a trick or two. Sort it out, will you? Be more impressive in my workplace, in my college, in my home, in my hall of residence, in my school. Come on, in my club. Just be a bit more impressive for people. Uh, He says, okay, here's impressive. I will bring eternal justice and I won't destroy anybody who deserves punishment if they trust me. And I will volunteer my death. See, if we cry out for justice, we say, fix evil, Jesus. But here's the problem now. If he fixes evil right now, this morning, right now, justice, come on, come on, sort out the child abuser. Now, come on, sort out the murderers in Islamic State. Now, and that's right, isn't it? Don't we want justice? Of course we want justice. It's deep within us to want justice. Because the image of God is in all human beings, even deeply flawed, even as rebels. We want justice. Justice is right. God is just. But if we want him to show his full colors and bring total justice now, guess what? He will shine his light forensically past ISIS, past that abuser, and he will shine it right into my heart right now. And that laser beam will come straight to you and me and it'll go, justice? You want justice? You've had it. 
which is why Calvary is magnificent, which is why the cross is awesome, because he took that justice for me. And you know what? I don't want him to prove himself yet because I love people dearly in my own family who don't know him. And I want him to wait. Please wait. Please wait. One more day, Lord. One more day. Just one more day. And maybe for you this morning, you know you haven't trusted in Christ. This day, today, today, he hasn't come. Justice has not been finally delivered on a broken universe. The searing laser into your soul that he will bring is delayed for another hour. Trust his death. And when the day of justice comes, you'll be exonerated by Christ himself. He will win, which is what makes him so impressive. He is so impressive because he gives us one more day to turn to him. And if you know him, he gives you one more day to say, thanks, Lord. Thank you. Another Sunday comes, another Sunday goes. Pain never diminishes. Life is nasty, brutish, and short. Thomas Hobbes, optimistic philosopher. But realistic, right? And if you know Christ this morning, you say, but the one who never had to prove anything to anyone because of his security in his father loves me and will not break my reed and will not snuff my candle and will blow it into life again this week. Are you up for it with him? Oh, he's good, isn't he? What an amazing thing to know Christ. Shall we say a prayer? Thank you, Heavenly Father, for your incredible goodness.